Hey bubs, welcome back to another exciting episode of Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is talk about Wolverine. I am your host Ryan, and I am super excited for tonight's episode. I'm actually trying something a little different tonight. The last five episodes I have covered a story from the Wolverine comics, but tonight... I'm not going to cover a specific story. Instead, I am talking about my favorite Wolverine or Wolverine-related comic book covers. So this is going to be really exciting. I usually do top fives, but on an occasion like this, I had to go with top ten. So let's get the show underway. All right, first up on the list is Wolverine number one. This is from volume one. You might remember I covered this uh, four-issue miniseries way back in uh, my first full-length episode. So this is Wolverine number one from volume one. Came out in 1982. Covered by Frank Miller, Joe Rubenstein, and colors from Glynis Ween. Now... I like this cover because it's just the classic Wolverine cover. I mean, I think this is the go-to cover for any Wolverine story. If you're talking Wolverine, you're talking about this cover. He's got the maskless face. He's just grinning at the reader. He's got one of his hands up, claws popped. He's got his other hand kind of making the come here finger. Just a great cover. The colors are a little muted. They're warm. They draw the focus to Wolverine's claws. They draw the focus to Wolverine's hand. There's not really anything going on in the background. It's just Wolverine, and it's a fantastic cover. I was lucky enough recently to actually add these four issues to my collection. So as a Wolverine fan, kind of the holy grail of comics, and I was really lucky to get all of these so next up on the list we have uncanny x-men number 133 now this is one of the issues of the dark phoenix saga from the pages of uncanny x-men it is a classic wolverine cover Uh, You actually see it on a lot of people's lists as far as favorite Wolverine covers goes, and there's a reason for that. It was really the first cover of the Uncanny X-Men run after the new team, you know, the all-new, all-different team formed, which was Cyclops, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Banshee, Thunderbird, and, of course, Storm. Now, up until that point... Much of the artwork was being handled by Dave Cockrum. And Dave Cockrum loved Nightcrawler. He loved Storm. He liked drawing Colossus. Those were his kind of go-to characters. They were his co-creations. And they got a lot of the limelight 
and Wolverine didn't. But once John Byrne started penciling for X-Men, you kind of saw a shift, at least in the art, focusing a little bit more on Wolverine. And we started getting some really great covers featuring all of the X-Men, but Wolverine especially. And 133 by John Byrne with inks from Terry Austin and colors from Glennis Oliver is a fantastic instance of Wolverine in the spotlight. Now this, again, I had mentioned, is an issue from the Dark Phoenix saga, and it's Wolverine alone against an army of Hellfire Club henchmen. There's like six six or so guys on this on this page that Wolverine is just going berserker on. He's got that animalistic, feral, angry expression on his face. His claws are flying. He's cutting guys down. And the issue itself even gets a little violent. I mean, some of it, the violence is implied. Some of it happens off panel or, you know, shaded out or whatever. So you don't see the blood and the viscera, but uh, just a fantastic cover. It has, you know, a, a caption on there, Wolverine lashes out. Just a great cover, a great Wolverine story in and of itself. I mean, it's, like I said, it's part of the greater Dark Phoenix saga, but for any Wolverine fan, it's definitely a must read, and this cover is a is a go-to cover. So after that, next up is Uncanny X-Men number 141. So another classic John Byrne cover from the Claremont Byrne era, who a lot of people consider to be the finest era in Uncanny X-Men comics, and I'd probably include myself on that list as well. I mean, that's not to say that the Claremont era with other artists wasn't fantastic. Obviously, Dave Cockrum is is a great artist, and uh, Rick Leonardi as well. I, I feel that he gets overlooked a lot. Same thing with Paul Smith. Uh, their contributions to the X-Men line after the uh, Cockrum and Byrne eras came to a close is... There's not enough good things to say about it, but I think the Claremont Burn era especially gave us three of the greatest X-Men stories ever told. You know, it's three of the greatest stories that you ever come back to, and Uncanny X-Men 141 is part one of a two-part story that I would include in that list of greatest X-Men stories ever told, and that is the story Days of Future Past. Now, this cover is good especially because it takes place in a future that we had never seen before. This is a future in the X-Men where they are hunted down. Not the X-Men specifically, but uh, mutants in general, and of, and of course the X-Men. But mutants are hunted down, they're put into pens, they're held captive. And this cover is great because we have the original Old Man Logan. This is the first time we get to see an old Logan and his powers at this point were defined but not in a way that we really knew that he was really old we knew that he was able to heal but at this point I I think we didn't know that he was you know a hundred years old or so and that in the dystopian future of 2013 he'd be you know over 115 years old so we get to see this grizzled old Wolverine he's got the Reed Richards white stripes you know, over his ears. He's still got his classic, uh, I don't know, wingtip hair, I guess, if, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, and he's standing in front of a woman who we later find out is an older Kitty Pride. She goes by Kate Pride in this uh, two-part story. But they're standing 
and they've been seen in a spotlight. You know, if you ever think back to any of those old prison shows or prison movies, you know, from the black and white days, you always had the the crooks trying to escape and they're walking the perimeter of the prison trying to find the the weak spot in the fence where their stooges on the outside have cut a hole and, you know, they're walking by and the spotlights are going and it's just this circle of light and then it catches them. It kind of brings that image to mind. So you know immediately that the X-Men are outlaws, at least these two X-Men. And to illustrate that fact behind this original Old Man Logan and this Kate Pride is like a wanted poster. And it's got all the X-Men up to that point named out. Cyclops, Colossus, Storm, Nightcrawler, Angel, Iceman, Beast, Sprite, Wolverine, Banshee, Havoc, Polaris, and of course Magneto. Now there's a couple on here that I don't know who they are. Um, But uh, oh well, it is what it is. There's about three of them. One of them marked, uh, you know, across each of the photos, there's labels that are marked either slain or apprehended. And you can see that over Wolverine, he's never been slain or apprehended. So just a really great cover. Just the, the cover of it captures the darkness and the grittiness of this storyline. And the expression on Wolverine's face here is is, you know, his classic go ahead and mess with me and you're going to get the business into my claws here. And it's just a great cover. I, I just love this cover. It's, it's probably one of the most iconic Wolverine as well as uncanny X-Men covers of all time. So naturally that, that made my list. Uh, I feel like I can keep going on just talking about this cover, but I will move to the next one on my list. So next up I have, Uncanny X-Men number 251. Now this came out in 1989, so it's kind of a big leap up until this point. You know, the three covers I had mentioned, Wolverine, uh, 1982, Uncanny X-Men 133, and 1980, and uh, the most recent one, Uncanny X-Men 141, that came out in 1981. So I've skipped almost 10 years here, and I've gone to Uncanny X-Men 251. Now this is a cover by Mark Silvestri, his regular pencil uh, inker Dan Green and colors again by Glynis Oliver. And this is the classic Wolverine Crucified cover. So again, it just brings forth this, this emotion. You know, we had John Byrne was able to elicit this feeling that the X-Men and, you know, Wolverine and Kitty Pride especially are, are these wanted criminals in this weird future where Wolverine is an old man. Uh, and we kind of get that same feeling from the cover of Uncanny X-Men 151. Now, the cover itself is muted tones. It's dark greens and dark blues and purples. There's lots of shadow work. You know, there's a blackbird, a raven, a a vulture even, uh, flying in the background above what what this is depicting here. There's a pile of skulls. You know, kind of think back to uh, Terminator 2, the beginning of it where John Connor is is an older man and they're fighting against the army of of the machines and there's just skulls littering the ground all over the place that's kind of what what you see here just this this bed of skulls and fastened in this bed of skulls is just a giant x pillar uh and and crucified on this giant x is is Wolverine you can tell he's got his his trademark Wolverine hair yeah, I mean, you can argue that it's Beast, but he wasn't on the team at this point. The only person that had hair like that was was Wolverine. And if that wasn't enough, you can see 
the outline of the top of his boots. You know, he's got those big wingtip things that come off of, of his boots, and you can see those here as well. So just a, just a great cover. A uh, lot of line work. You know, this is Mark Silvestri back in his Marvel days and his Uncanny X-Men days. So if you think Mark Silvestri nowadays, you know, you think Witchblade, you think the darkness, and just all this crazy busy line work that he does and the shading and the inking and everything that he does now he didn't have those tendencies back then I, I don't think that the the technology they had as far as making art really lent itself to hit that style that he's developed uh, but back then it was it was very crisp and very clean and his contribution I feel to X-Men is overlooked even more so than than the Paul Smiths and the Rick Leonardis that are out there uh, for a while, you know, the three of those guys were, were sharing the artwork duty, and all three of them kind of merged their styles together to try to make the art issue to issue be as seamless as possible. And, and, and I don't think Mark Silvestri gets gets enough credit uh, for his time on, on Uncanny X-Men, but uh, this cover is fantastic. I, I really like it. Like I said, it's got the greens and the blues, and everything is shaded and skulls everywhere. It just kind of makes you think, like, you know the X-Men have been have been murdered, and, and and all that's left is Wolverine, and he was the last one to fall. And when you read the issue itself, it's pretty great. It takes place during the Australian era, or the Outback era. You know, you 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 may have heard that phrase. You know, the Outback era uh, after the fall of the mutants, the X-Men go through the Siege Perilous, uh, just this portal that kind of offers them this clean slate. And eventually they end up in uh, the Australian Outback as a team. No one knows that they're alive anymore, so they're kind of able to operate, you know, under the radar. And the base that they're, their, ba their base of operations is a former Reavers base, uh, who you may remember the Reavers from the recent movie Logan. Uh, just these, this army of uh, human cyborgs who are, you know, bounty hunters and, and things like that. So... When the X-Men move into town, they kind of kick these Reavers out. And eventually the Reavers find new leaders in Donald Pierce and uh, Eureka Oyama, who is Lady Deathstrike, so a big Wolverine villain. And, of course, Donald Pierce, uh, a cyborg and an X-Men villain, going all the way back to uh, Dark Phoenix Saga and even sometimes before that. Uh, anywho, they find out that the X-Men are, are staying at this base now, and they kind of come back to claim it and uh, go against Wolverine especially. So this is just a, it's a good Wolverine issue. Jubilee, early Jubilee, kind of makes an appearance in this. This is before she ever joins the X-Men proper, becomes Wolverine's unofficial sidekick. So great issue. Uh, if you're ever going back and reading the Claremont run, it's, it's definitely one that will stand out to you, and, and it starts with its cover. So that's why that one made the list. So next up, I have my only non-Wolverine or X-Men book. And that is Incredible Hulk number 340. This is also another one that was, uh, you know, late 80s. This one came out in 1988. The cover itself is from Todd McFarlane, uh, Bob Wyacek or Wyacek, and Petra Scotese. And this is a cover that I really enjoy, uh, like I said, and it's an Incredible Hulk issue, which is, is fitting since Wolverine first appeared in the pages of Incredible Hulk all the way back in Incredible Hulk number 181 and 182. 
Uh, so they have a long history of uh, kind of being standoffish with one another, kind of having some unfinished business. You know, they definitely ha- there's definitely a hatchet there that they have to bury. And this was during the Peter David Incredible Hulk era. So you had the Gray Hulk kind of making a comeback. Um, and, and you know, the Peter David run of Incredible Hulk is uh, very, very highly critically acclaimed. It's loved by fans. It's considered to be one of the better runs of Incredible Hulk of all time at least in, you know, my circles. I don't know if that's the prevailing opinion, but uh, I've definitely heard that Peter David run on Incredible Hulk was was pretty great. And this cover from Todd McFarlane is pretty fantastic. It's actually one that's been uh, homaged a few times. There was actually a, an unused cover for Adjectiveless X-Men number seven from Jim Lee that was a, a play on the same cover. And and the reason why this, this cover is so homaged and reused is because you have this this feral retro costume that's the brown and and tan or the brown and yellow costume uh wolverine and it's a close-up of his face and he's got his claws popped in front of his face and he's he's making that feral growling face that you know you come to expect from wolverine at the very least and in the reflection of his claws you can see an even more ferocious and vicious gray Hulk reflected. And it's a, it's a really fantastic cover. Uh, it kind of sets up what's going on in the issue, which is just another head to head of, uh, of Wolverine and Hulk. Now Todd McFarlane in the late eighties was all over the place in Marvel, but he really made a staple on the, uh, Spider-Man books. He is, uh, I believe the co-creator of Venom and responsible for uh, a big resurgence in, in Spider-Man in the late 80s that led into uh, some of the more questionable stuff that happened in the Spider-Man book in the 90s before, of course, Todd McFarlane left to uh, be one of the founders of Image Comics. It's funny because I've also mentioned Mark Silvestri who left and I mentioned an unused cover from Jim Lee and he's also one of the guys who left to... Uh, to be a founder over at Image Comics. So uh, this big legacy of these fantastic artists making these, uh, you know, just beautiful interiors and even more fantastic covers that all kind of left Marvel. So that was a that was a bummer. Now, the, the uh, adjectiveless X-Men book that I had mentioned where Jim Lee had this unused cover was uh, pretty much the same thing, only I believe Wolverine was in his classic uh, blue and yellow costume because that's he had moved back into that costume by this point in the books and reflected in his claws this time instead of the incredible hulk was a brand new villain who went by the name omega red so if you've ever watched the 90s cartoon or any of the cartoons or read you know any wolverine or x-men books uh omega red is a villain that kind of keeps coming back to haunt wolverine you know whenever he uh, least expects it so uh, that was a pretty cool cover, but it didn't get used. The cover that did get used for Uncanny, or excuse me, Adjectiveless X-Men number seven was a cover where there's like a tear down the middle, like a photo or whatever, and on one side is, is Wolverine and the other side is Omega Red. So that one almost made my list, but uh, didn't quite make the cut. Now this next one is a little on the sillier side. This is a very recent cover actually coming out in 2016. And it was featured on the cover of All New Wolverine number four. So this is a comic book where in the comics right now, spoiler alert, Logan 
is dead, or at least when this book was published, and the all-new Wolverine is Laura Kinney, who had been X-23 up until right after the death of Wolverine, where eventually she took over the mantle of Wolverine to become the all-new Wolverine. And this cover, it's all-new Wolverine number four. The normal cover for this is just a regular cover. It's got the all-new Wolverine, Laura Kinney, and it has Doctor Strange. And it's uh, it's an issue that deals with Laura Kinney and her sisters, I guess you can call them, uh, dealing with some stuff, and they have to go to the Sanctum Sanctorum and get help from Doctor Strange. But the cover that I'm referring to is actually the Deadpool variant. So this is a variant cover, uh, which means that it wasn't as high in print, and usually they're a little bit more harder to find, and usually they have you know, famous guest artists and stuff kind of come in and, and do these extra covers. And this cover is from... Tom Rainey and Chris Sotomayor, or possibly Sotomayor, like the Supreme Court Justice. Uh, but this is all-new Wolverine number four. It's the Deadpool variant. And the reason why this one made the list is just, it's just a fun cover. It's an homage to a uh, Golden Age Batman. And I'm not even sure if this was a cover or if this was just a panel uh, that seems to be going around. But someone out there in the Twitter sphere and in the Internet somewhere found this panel which has Batman slapping Robin right across the face. And there's a word balloon coming from both Batman and from Robin. And so you just see all these memes, you know, where someone puts words in Robin's mouth and Robin's saying something stupid. And, you know, Batman's coming back with like the snarky comment or a more uh, common sense comment. And he's slapping him right across the face. So with this cover, instead, we have Deadpool, who is the one being slapped right across the face. And we have all-new Wolverine doing the slapping, which, I mean, I just, I just think it's funny. I, I know that the meme's kind of been done to death by this point. It's, like I said, it's all over the Twitter sphere. Everybody's seen it. Uh, but this was just a fun, a fun cover where we kind of got to see all-new Wolverine and Deadpool interacting and having just this f- fun side. The... The quote that they used on the cover is Deadpool saying, hey, how's Logan? And you get all new Wolverine just shouting at him, Logan is dead, as she's slapping him right across the face. She's got her claws and her other hand popped, you know, ready to stab Deadpool. Luckily, the guy's got a healing factor. But either way, it's just it's just funny. Uh, it's one of those ones that kind of came out. Well, I mean, like I said, it's 2016, and uh, I think, Death of Wolverine was 2012, 2014. So it was a couple of years later. You'd think that uh, Deadpool would know better by now than to ask how Logan is. But uh, lo and behold, that's what he did. Just a just a fun cover. Nothing really fancy about it. Just a just an homage to that weird that weird Batman panel. So that kind of rounds out my six main covers. And I have four more covers that I want to talk about, but I kind of save these four till the end because they all share a common theme with one another. And that theme is torture at the hands of the Weapon X program. For those of you who are familiar with Wolverine, the Weapon X program probably needs no introduction. 
But long story short, the WeaponX program was a government-sponsored program experimenting on mutants to create the ultimate weapon. And they loved Logan's healing factor, so naturally he was one who was kidnapped and chosen for experimentation. And many years later, I believe they were able to keep their operations secret, and they were also the ones responsible for creating Wolverine's clone, who is X-23, now the all-new Wolverine. So Weapon X has a long history of really just messing up Logan and anyone he's close to. I do plan on covering a lot of various comic book stories that deal with Weapon X. There's a lot of stuff coming up in March and April, uh, both Wolverine and all-new Wolverine stories that will be dealing with the Weapon X program and and the lasting effects that it's had on Wolverine's life. But uh, in my opinion, you know, one of Wolverine's greatest villains is just the Weapon X program itself, which is which is kind of messed up. So the four covers that I've chosen to round out my top 10 and that go hand in hand with the Weapon X program. To start off, Marvel Comics Presents number 79. This came out in 1991, and the artwork is from Barry Windsor Smith. I wasn't able to figure out who the inker was and who the colorist was, so at this point I'm just assuming that it was all done by Barry Windsor Smith, uh, but that, that may not be the case, and uh, you know, if you're listening and, and you happen to know who the uh, inker and colorist were for the Barry Windsor Smith stuff, uh, go ahead and let me know. But Marvel Comics Presents was kind of a showcase book. Usually it had two to three different stories uh, in it at once. Most of the stories that were Wolverine-related, at least for the one for this cover, were about nine to ten pages long. So it was usually a comic that had you know two or three different stories in it. I want to say it was also one of those books where if you have it on one side, there's one cover, and then you read through that, and that you know, tells you a nine or ten page story. And then you flip the book over, and on the back, instead of having like a back cover, it's just a brand new cover for the other story that's in the book. Uh, in the very early 90s, whenever my dad would have the time to take me to a comic book shop, uh, my sisters would usually grab those because they liked reading the Werewolf by Night stories, which were usually usually in there kind of think of it like an old audio cassette tape where it's you have the a side and the b side or a record that has the a side and the b side i know that these are foreign terms for all of us that kind of grew up in the mp3 uh, years but uh, yeah back when you had to buy physical media to listen to music usually there was one side that had you know half the album and then the other side had the other half so comics were were no different and and these books were used like i said to highlight you know a major character like wolverine or they were they were meant to tell short stories of a particular character that didn't necessarily merit their own ongoing series like werewolf by night so again this is a weapon x related cover and this is actually i want to say it was the third issue of the Weapon X series. So up until this point, which was the 1990s, 1991, specifically for this issue, we knew a little bit about Wolverine's backstory. But 
one of the things that Chris Claremont did in his two chances to do Wolverine solo is he told Wolverine stories set in the present day rather than going back and exploring his past. He decided to keep that past a mystery for as long as he could, and, and he felt, at least at the time, that uh, many of the stories being told about Wolverine should also try to keep his past as much of a mystery as possible. But this story, this Weapon X story, it managed to give us enough, it managed to, to, to keep Wolverine's past in the past and to keep it a mystery, but also give us a little bit of insight about the the pain and the torture that Wolverine had to endure at the hands of Weapon X. I actually misspoke. Uh, the cover of uh, Marvel Comics Presents number 79 is actually towards the end of this Weapon X run. So I had mentioned that the stories usually take about 10 issues or so. So Barry Windsor Smith had 13 issues. So, you know, 100 pages, give or take, 130 pages, somewhere in there. So a pretty decent-sized story uh, when you think about, you know, the regular comics at the time being about 19, 20 pages long, sometimes up to 22. So 130 pages, I mean, that's a a six-issue story arc plus, you know, a little extra. So over the course of it, he really told us a, a great story and managed to keep a lot of the mystery. You know, we learned what Weapon X did to him, but we didn't really learn who Weapon X was, who they were working for. We know why they were doing what they were doing, but we didn't really know the extent. For all we knew at this time, Wolverine was their only uh, lab rat. And, you know, later on, we kind of learned that that wasn't necessarily the case. Now, they did experiment on Wolverine, but they were experimenting and, and manipulating a lot of different mutants. Now, Weapon X itself actually provides just a ton of fantastic covers, all done by Barry Windsor Smith. But the one that always stands out to me the most is Marvel Comics Presents number 79. And this is just, uh, you know, he's a, he's a shirtless, bloody Wolverine. He's got both hands up, both claws popped. And he's got this big kind of dome helmet. I always thought it looked like a, a helmet version of the Technodrome from the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. Just this big, round metal helmet that's got all these weird odds and ends on it. Um, clearly, it's being used to control him. It's being used to monitor his thoughts. It, it might even be some sort of a weird virtual reality kind of thing that also you know records what's going on firsthand. So you get all kinds of stuff. The movie X-Men Apocalypse, I know that a lot of my fellow X-Men fans out there don't particularly love the movie, and I understand, but the scene in that movie where Wolverine is freed from Weapon X and he kind of goes on that rampage, he's wearing a costume very similar uh, to what we saw Wolverine depicted as here. He was just kind of had a headband with some gadgets, whereas in the comic, you know, Wolverine's got a full-on helmet. And this cover is, you know, the first cover that really shows that whole helmet and really shows weapon x as the weapon x like i said you know he's covered in blood and and all that it's it's not very gory or anything but it's still enough to know that you know this wolverine was just on a mission and he wasn't messing around this is a great story this is actually the next comic book story that i'm going to cover and it's not going to be the next issue but in two weeks i'm actually going to cover all of the marvel comics presents weapon x story because it's it's fantastic and is such an important pillar in understanding wolverine as a character uh, but this cover is great. I'm kind of noticing a theme here. A lot of these Wolverine covers, 
they seem to be really good if they have just a, a plain red background because you know red's an angry color and it's the color of fighting it's the color of blood and it's the color of passion and you know wolverine's a berserker which means he pretty much lets himself go into this this hate-filled passion where he gives over he gives himself over to his animal side so uh just using this red color in the background really really does help kind of highlight wolverine's animalistic nature and it and it really works with a lot of these covers because most of the best wolverine covers are him being an animal Uh, so that was marvel comics presents number 79 so uh, just a great just a great cover and since i'm talking about barry windsor smith i'm going to jump into my next wolverine cover which is actually another uncanny x-men cover and that's uncanny x-men number 205 205 for all you perfectionists out there it came out in 1986 this is the cover of the very famous wounded wolf storyline which was an all wolverine story where he has been attacked by lady deathstrike and some reavers I don't know if they were Reavers at the time, actually. I think it was the... Uh, it's been a little while since I've read it, but I want to say it was Lady Deathstrike, and she had teamed up with some of those Hellfire Club guards that I had mentioned when I was discussing Uncanny X-Men 133. Uh, two of the guards in that in that book that I had mentioned, there was some off, off-panel violence. Uh, two of those guards had actually been rebuilt by, I guess, Lady Deathstrike. So they weren't quite Reavers, but they were at least cyborgs by then. And man, did they have a, a stone to grind against uh, against Wolverine here. And so it, the story kind of starts cold turkey, where Wolverine's been attacked and he's trying to heal. And eventually he gets some help from a very unlikely source and he's able to heal enough and, and escape and everything. But the cover of it is pretty great. It It harkens back to when Wolverine was a lab experiment and it's a it's a picture of Wolverine again it's they use the color red cuz it's such a great color <laughs> to highlight to highlight a Wolverine cover uh but he's kind of laying down he looks like he's in pain and he's got all these different tubes connected every every place imaginable just all over his entire body and it's it's just a really fun cover. Uh, there's a lot of great Uncanny X-Men covers that feature Wolverine in, in a lot of great poses. There's also a couple Jim Lee covers of of Wolverine, um, as well as X-Men that are that are also really good. But there's just something about this cover showing Wolverine. He's laying there. Uh, one of the things I like is next to Wolverine, you can kind of see like this this corpse. Um, so it looks like there's a similar lab table right next to him and there's some bones over there um, which is really just messed up i don't know if uh you know that those bones were another test subject or what but yeah just wolverine he's got one of his arms up he's got his claws popped so you kind of tell that you know maybe he's maybe he's aware of what's going on but just another great cover it's it's barry windsor smith and, and again this is one of those things that i couldn't quite figure out who the inker and the penciler were or excuse me the inker and the and the colorist now if they're the same as the ones that did the issue um 
then it would be Barry Windsor Smith because he's credited for um, art and color in all this. So I, because he is in this, I'm going to assume in the in the Weapon X stuff, he's his own inker and he's his own colorist as well. So super talented guy. It's a really great artist. Uh, but yeah, this Wounded Wolf story is, is, is really great. And, and the cover really does do it justice. Um, you know, like I had mentioned, we get to see Lady Deathstrike. We actually kind of get a, a little bit of an origin for her. We kind of discover in this issue, you know, how she was turned into what she is, uh, which is this weird cyborg with these like finger claw things that can grow and everything. And, and we learn that she actually got that work from a place called The Body Shop, which is actually run by Spiral. So great issue again, just another cover that ties into into Weapon X kind of parallels. It kind of shows the parallel actually between Wolverine and what was done to him against his will, and uh, Lady Deathstrike and what was done to her by choice, based on you know just her hatred of of Wolverine. So really great issue, really great cover. Well, my next cover is like I said, it's another. Uh, Weapon X related cover. This time it comes from the Wolverine Solo series. Now this is the ongoing series that launched in excuse me, in 1988. So we consider this to be uh, Wolverine Volume 2 and it's issue number 48. And the cover of this issue promises that this storyline is the beginning to the sequel to Weapon X. So uh, I always call it Return to Weapon X, but I don't think that's what it's actually called because there's a different storyline from the Ultimate X-Men universe. It's actually Ultimate X-Men Volume 2, uh, which is called Return to Weapon X. And it's a story, it's another story, only this one is about Ultimate Wolverine, and he has to go back to, to Weapon X and kind of go through some of that. But this is a really fun cover. It is another Mark Silvestri masterpiece. Again, he is using his regular inker, who is Dan Green, but this time he has colors from Steve Bucciolato. Now, I like this cover. It's I, I know that I always kind of come back to this, and I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but it's another cover of Wolverine looking ferocious and animalistic. You know, he's... he's his uh his fangs are, are really pronounced, both his top and bottom fangs in this cover. He's got his hands down and his claws popped, you know, of course. Uh, he's looking very ferocious, very feral. And again, like I said, it's called, you know, the sequel to Weapon X. And it says, you know, beginning a quest into Logan's past. This is actually the first issue of a storyline called the Shiva scenario, which is another story that I'm going to be covering here in the next uh, two months or so. Uh, so I'm really excited to kind of dive into these. It's actually a three-part story uh, in Wolverine 48, 49, and, and 50 from uh, Larry Hama, who I feel is uh, sometimes he's overlooked as as a Wolverine writer. Uh, some Not all of his stories really land, but when he's on, he's he's pretty on. And he, do, he does have a, a fun and interesting take on Wolverine when we get to go into, you know, Wolverine's more militaristic kind of background. Uh, but the cover is great. It's got, you know, Wolverine's eyes are all red. There's no uh, pupils or anything like that. Just just straight up just red, you know, angry eyes. He's got all these weird spikes kind of protruding from him that I believe are, are supposed to show the uh, the adamantium kind of going into him and everything. And it's, it's, it's really great. Uh, he's got the Barry Windsor Smith 
machines all wrapped around him. He's got all these various cords and cables and stuff like that. He's not wearing the helmet because uh, his, you know, his face is is there. But it's a fun cover, you know. I, and, and this one made the list that almost didn't. I almost actually put uh, Wolverine forty nine on the list instead, which is just another cover uh, of him doing doing the things like that, you know, with his claws popped and he's looking all animalistic and everything. But and now when he's just got his classic costume on and it's he's actually looking off to the side, whereas in, in this one on can or Wolverine number forty eight, he's looking straight into the eyes of the reader. So you're you're really looking right into the to the eyes of the beast here. So that's part of the reason why I really like this cover. It's, you know, all the smoke and everything is around him and stuff. And it's it's one of the few covers where there's not a bright red background. <laughs> And I think had they done this in a you know in a in a really you know dark reds and everything, it, it may have resonated. You know those eyes would have popped. I think a little bit more because they would have shown that you know he was one with this this anger and this rage and everything. So fun cover, fun cover. And that brings us to my last cover of my of my top ten here, and this is another all new Wolverine cover. So this one is going to feature not Logan but Laura. And I and I know I've kind of mentioned the fact that a lot of these have had a red background. Well, this one's no different. This one's got kind of a reddish orange background. So again, it just brings the focus straight onto the character here. This is a character with the artwork by David Lopez. And he was uh one of the one of the regular members of the creative team on this on this series, but on, on this particular storyline, at least this issue, he actually didn't do any of the interior artwork. He just did the cover. But I really like uh, I really like this this cover, and it's a it's a cover that has you know all new Wolverine, Laura Kinney, in a very similar pose to the pose that we just saw on Wolverine number forty eight from Mark Silvestri. So it's it's Laura, and she's got her hands down and her and her claws pop. She's kind of making this ferocious look and everything. But the difference is she's actually wearing a helmet, which is very similar to the Barry Windsor Smith helmet that he's wearing on Marvel Comics Presents number 79. So just... Just really cool, lots of callbacks. The helmet does look a little bit more futuristic and updated, which is cool. It's not as it's not as clunky, it's not as eighties, you know, it doesn't have all these old Game Boy sized modules and stuff hanging on to the side. It definitely looks a lot more sleek and streamlined and much more like a like a VR helmet that's probably used to condition Laura. Uh, one of the cool things about the Marvel Comics presents Weapon X storyline is to test Wolverine they just sent him out into the field. You know, they had him fighting animals and they had him fight. I think at one point they had him fight a bear. They, they have him fight all kinds of stuff. And, and with all new Wolverine, it's a little bit different. Uh, they, they're able to have a little bit better handle on how to, how to manipulate her. And one of the cool things I like about this is it's got all the cords and all the cables, just like all the other ones. But one of the things that's new is she has all these test tubes kind of poking into her various places, you know, her shoulders, her upper arms, her, you know, her outer upper legs, kind of in the kind of in the quad area. 
uh, right above the knee and everything. So it's pretty cool. Uh, anyone who's familiar with all new Wolverine will know that those are test tubes that contain the trigger scent. So Wolverine is known for being a berserker. He's known for being animalistic. You know, he, he often loses control of himself and the animal inside takes over. And even though they made Laura Kinney to be just the perfect killing machine, even better than Logan, she's not quite as as animalistic. She's not quite as as controlled by her animal side as as Logan is. And so occasionally, in order to get her to eliminate the targets, they have to use what they call trigger scent, which is just this this gas, this scent that that sends Laura into into her own kind of berserker rage. So seeing her pumped up with with all these all these vials of of trigger scent, you you just know that this is a a version of Laura that is very much not in control right now. It's also the cover for a very good story, which is a lead-in to uh, another really great story. So this is called, you know, Wolverine and Chains, and it actually leads right into a storyline called Enemy of the State 2, which is, you know, Laura's version of Enemy of the State, where she's used against her will to kill civilians and to, and to target particular members of, you know, the superhuman community and all that, kind of like Wolverine was in the story arc that I just I just talked about uh, my last two episodes in fact were uh, Enemy of the State and Agent of Shield. So if you hadn't listened to episodes 4 and 5, go back and and give those a listen. I cover a really great Wolverine story. Uh, I actually do have Enemy of the State 2 on my schedule to cover within the next few months as well. So I'm really excited to to keep continuing on with this uh, this theme of Weapon X and and how it really likes to manipulate our Wolverines. But that that covers, well, that, yeah, that rounds out my top 10 covers. Uh, a couple honorable mentions. I had Adjectiveless X-Men number seven in there. I had Wolverine number 49. I also had Uncanny X-Men 234, which was a cover during the Brood Saga, where uh, a brood alien had implanted an embryo inside of Wolverine, and it was started to make him change into one of the brood and so it's just another great cover it's one of those you know greens and purples and blues and it kind of shows a wolverine who's in a silhouette and he's starting to transform into a brood you know he's got those razor sharp teeth and everything uh it's actually uh recently i I picked up some mini mates i'm just these little like two inch tall figurine collectibles and one of the one of the two packs i got was a a brood and a brood wolverine (laughs) So that was that was kind of cool, uh, and I and so that was one of my uh, one of my honorable mentions. Uh, also, you know, Wolverine number eleven. It's one of the Jim Lee covers where Wolverine's kind of lunging through the air, uh, just in his his old retro brown and tan, brown and yellow costume, and he's just he's just lunging through the air. And another one I think was uh, Uncanny X Men two oh seven two zero seven. He it's just a Wolverine, and he's like slicing the the page itself so there's like rip marks where his claws are coming down and everything uh, I mean there's a there's a lot of really great covers I mean I could probably do a, a top 25 list of, of favorite covers and not go into any detail and, and it would probably still be 
to be a full episode like this one. But uh, I had a lot of fun with this episode. It was fun going back through and looking at a lot of the covers and everything. And uh, all the all these covers that I had mentioned in this episode, if you have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited, you can actually go and check them all out. They're all on there with the exception of the uh, Deadpool variant of all-new Wolverine number 4. That's the only one that uh, I, I wasn't able to find on on Marvel Unlimited. But yeah, if you haven't seen these covers, definitely go in and, and, and check them out. You can also find them on, if you just do a Google search, you know, you type in Wolverine covers and you probably get a lot of a lot of these ones as well. There seems to be a, a handful of these that seem to be favorites of, of Wolverine fans all around the uh, Twitter sphere and internet and what have you. So if you liked this episode, uh, I definitely encourage you to uh, reach out to me via email. I am talksnicked at gmail.com. So just T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T. Again, that's talksnicked at gmail.com. Give me your list of top 10 or your list of top five. And uh, I'll definitely try to read a couple off on the next few episodes uh, if I get any responses. Um, if I don't get any responses, then it, just, it is what it is. But yeah, if you uh, if you send me your lists, definitely be happy to read some of those out on one of the next upcoming episodes. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, or even let me know on Twitter. Um, I'm at Talkin' Snicked. So just the name of the show, uh, which is my Twitter handle. And let me know what your some of your favorite Wolverine covers are. It could be from any era. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Wolverine comic. Obviously, I've had a couple on there that weren't necessarily... Wolverine had some X-Men ones, had an Incredible Hulk one. So, yeah, let me know what, what some of your favorite covers are, and that'll be a, a whole lot of fun. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out is the little intro music I used is a snippet of a song called Orphans of X. And this is a song from a very talented musician named Retcon X. We've not necessarily partnered up, but he's let me use... Uh, his tunes in the meantime, and uh, he's working on some music for me that I'm going to be able to use in this podcast. So I am very excited about that. Stick around at the end of this episode, which is coming up real soon, uh, but I'm going to play that song in its entirety for you because it's definitely worth a listen. Like I said, it is called Orphans of X, and it was inspired by the most recent story arc in all new wolverine of the same name so there's a story arc recently in the pages of all new wolverine that featured uh, all new wolverine and uh, gabby and dakin and they were kind of going up against this this villainous group called the orphans of x and it was a it's a really exciting storyline tom taylor and his art team really knocked it out of the park with that one and uh, that story arc inspired this song so it's a great song check it out in the show notes I will have links to uh, Retcon X's website, his Spotify playlist, and if you like his music and want to check him out, uh, his Patreon account. Uh, I listen to his music on Apple Music because it's easiest for me with my mobile device and everything, but he actually has two EPs on there, two full two full albums, uh, Resurrection Volume 1 and Resurrection Volume 2, and it's you know, kind of based on the new, I guess, year-old um, X-Men relaunch that they started in February of 2017. So I guess you can call it Rizerexian. Uh, anywho, he has two EPs based on that 
relaunch. So the first EP, he's got a bunch of songs that were inspired by the various titles that were coming out. Uh, X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, as well as you know Generation X. There were a couple of solo books as well. So each of those kind of inspired him to create his own unique track. And you can view it as a soundtrack. The second album I really enjoy because the songs themselves, the tracks were inspired by, you know, various parts and various storylines that were going on in those pages. So he really does capture the essence of the characters as well as the tone of the overall book in each of the songs, which is which is really great. So check him out. Again, that's Retcon X. You can also follow him on Twitter. He's always posting links to his stuff and uh, you know, little things with upcoming projects he's working on and all that. So he is at Retcon X. So I think that covers it for this episode. I had mentioned uh, my next couple of episodes. I'm going to start covering some comics. What I'm actually going to do is uh, after next week, I'm going to be going to a different comic book story every other week. So the next next week, I will be doing another countdown episode, another top list. This is going to be my top five Wolverine villains of all time. So I'm really excited about this one. I'm probably going to have to have at least one honorable mention in there uh, for this really great villain who didn't quite make it into my top five, but uh, definitely want to want to do that episode. Really looking forward to it. These, uh, these non-comic episodes are, are a lot of fun because I get to go through and read some stuff that I haven't read in a while and kind of weigh some of my options, look at my toys and stuff, see who I've got on the shelf and everything. Uh, so that is going to be next week. That is the top five Wolvie villains. And then for the month of March, I've actually, I have it all planned out here. I am going to cover the Marvel Comics Presents uh, Weapon X storyline. Then I'm actually going to do an episode on alternate Wolverines. This one's going to be pretty fun. I get to dive into like Wolverine Noir and Ultimate Wolverine and a couple of other Wolverines that... Uh, I've kind of had my sights on and I'm really eager to, to discuss. Then I'm actually going to jump back into a comic book story and cover the 2005 X-23 miniseries, issues one through six. And then to round out the month of March, I'm actually going to cover uh, Wolverine's various sidekicks. So that's going to be a really fun one. You know, all the all you Jubilee fans out there, all you Rogue fans, all you Kitty Pride fans, um, even the few armor fans out there who I'm a big fan of Hisako. I love her. She's awesome. Armor is really cool. So I'm really looking forward to jumping into that episode for you as well. So that rounds out March and I think it's almost time for me to let you guys go. Just one last announcement. And that is I am working on launching my own Patreon page. So, so bear with me. I'll definitely have some information coming to you all on Twitter as well as on each of my episodes. So look for that. I'm tentatively have it scheduled to launch on March 21st, which is going to coincide with my 10th episode. So watch for that. In the meantime, if you want to support the show, go ahead and leave me a review. Uh, my reviews actually don't show up until I have X amount. I'm not sure what that magic number is, but until I have X amount of, of reviews, nothing's going to show up in iTunes or, or Google Play. So we definitely want those reviews coming out uh, to help kind of boost the show. So that's one of the ways you can you can help out the show in the meantime. Thank you all so much for listening. I had a blast with this episode. 
And I look forward to talking to you all again next week. Until next time, bubs. <laughs>